listening to Connection Church's podcast. Good morning, church. You like that almost activated light turning on. Oh, well, it's a privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, you know, as, you, as those of you here last week, we went through started a series called Dark Corners. Um, pretty much this whole series is, is revealing hidden sin in our lives. And uh, so that way when we preach the gospel and it sheds the light on it, you have one or two options today. Either you can leave here and repent of that sin and pray for God to help change you, or you can leave here the same as you got here. And we're all followers of Christ, amen? amen. And if we're followers of Christ, we want to be more like Christ, amen? amen? So that means we are going to not leave here unless God changes us, Amen? The person beside you didn't say amen, poke them. Because they need to be poked. <laughs> um, and as you look through the series, uh, through, I hope this week helped a lot of you guys out. Um, as we, on social media, we just went uh, one through five, day one through five of just, uh, you know, how to deal with sexual sin, if that's been caught in your life, helping you walk through that. Same thing is going to happen this week. Um, through this dark corner, uh, every day will be something different. Um, so you can help study, help help in your devotion life, whatever. We wanna we wanna give you as many resources as we can to help you guys. So this week, um, we wanna uncover a dark corner that most of us are probably oblivious to in our own lives. We wanna uncover a sin that I think no one in this room is free from. But you know, it's easy. We see it active in everybody else's life, but we don't see it active in our own life. We kind of have our blinders on. I've heard people admit to things of saying, hey, I got a bad temper. Um, Hey, I'm lustful. Uh, Maybe I'm even greedy, but I don't think I've ever heard a Christian accuse themselves of this. And there's one fault in which, this one fault makes somebody very unpopular. You don't want to be around anybody that has this sin so evident in their life. And there's no fault, I think, is so, um, that blinds us. And the more we have, the more that we have in ourselves, the more we despise it in other people. And that dark corner this morning, that sin we're talking about today is that sin of pride. And if you're here this morning, I want to ask you: Do you have a problem with pride in your life? Does that? Do you think that? Just think about your your walk with God, your everyday life. Do you have a problem with pride? If you answered yes, thank you for your honesty. If you answered no, I'm glad you came this morning. Because <laughs> this message is for you. Um, you know, it's so often that, that we see everybody else's faults, but we don't see ours. It's kind of like, I can see all you guys, and I can see you clearly, but I can't see my problems. That's why I wore this shirt. It's kind of like that. Pride is like me wearing this bright yellow shirt. I can't, I mean, I can see it in your life and I can, boy, I can call you out on it, but I don't see it in my own life until I look down, look in the mirror and it's like, whoa, this is blaring. So I hope this morning you take an accurate assessment of your life and say, is that me? Am I I just extremely prideful? So before we get started, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, God, we come to you right now. Lord, just submitting ourselves to you. Lord, as the worship band was playing that song, Lord, the living God, spirit of living God, God, we want that in here today, Lord. 
God, we know that you're here regardless, but God, I pray that we would be sensitive to your spirit, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would just, uh, God, you would just uh, stir in our hearts in such a way that we can't leave here unless we're changed. God, I pray for emotions that's going to be uh, invoked today. God, if there's anger in somebody's heart, I pray, God, that you would show them that's conviction. God, I pray that if there's any kind of uh, a thought saying, well, well that, that may be me, I pray, God, for conviction. I pray, Father, that you would help us all see the dark corners in our lives so that when you shine that light, we will be obedient and we will follow you, Lord. God, just help us today. I pray, Father, I right now I rebuke a religious spirit. I pray, God, that we wouldn't take our religion and think we're okay just because we go to church. But, God, we would realize that it's all about following you today. Just put that in our heart, God. God, I so desire to see more of you in my life. I so desire to see more of you in each person in this room's life. But, God, we have to submit and we have to follow. So, God, help us do that today and speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, pride's a tricky thing, right? No? Y'all got it figured out? You want me to pray again, let's leave? <laughs> pride's a tricky thing. We, we don't see it evident in our life. And when we do see it evident, we think, well, that's confidence. Or that's self, you know, we, we think that, you know, we're self-esteem. And those things are good, but out of the right context, it can wreck our lives. And, it, and especially wreck our relationship with God. So I got thinking, what is pride? I think pride could be summarized as an attitude of self-sufficiency, of self-importance, and of self-exhortation in our relationship to God. So when we, when we think about ourselves, we think, look, I'm good. I don't need anything else. I got this thing figured out. We're self-sufficient. We're self-important. We're like, you know what? I ain't as bad as that fella is. Thank God I hadn't done that. We put ourselves up here and look down at other people. That's pride. And self-exhortation is when we try to exhort ourselves. I'm not, I'm not in a leadership position, but the person that is, you know, I think I can do this better, so I'm going to cut them down so I can elevate myself up here. You know anybody like that? So when you think of it in that relationship with God, when it's toward other people, it's so evident because it's an attitude of contentment and indifference. Contentment means that, that you think people are beneath you. Somebody flashing through your mind right now? Or you know more than others do. Or you think some people are worthless. That's, a, that's an attitude of contentment. And also, it's a, the attitude of indifference is a lack of interest or concern or sympathy. So if I think it's an attitude that you think you're better than someone else, you look down to other people, and you don't care that you do. And that's just kind of just right straight to the heart this morning. I think so many of us look at other people and their pride, and we're like, man, I just don't want to be around that person. They're just so, they're just so bitter, they're so hard to deal with. That's pride. And pride is a cancer spiritually. I mean, it eats up the very possibility of love. You can't love somebody you're trying to tear down. It, it, it eats up the very possibility of contentment. You can't be content where God has you because you're constantly trying to push yourself other places. Push your agenda. Go other directions. 
And I think also it eats up even common sense because people that are prideful do some of the craziest things. And they think that they got it all figured out. And I think the depths of pride can, can be obvious in our life, but also it can be concealed. I will tell you this. I always thought a close friend of mine was prideful, and I never was until he called me out on it. And I was like, what you talking about? I'm better than you. And I was like, oh. He's like, see what I'm talking about? See what I'm talking about? Repent. So how would you describe pride? How, how would you describe pride? I, when I look at it, it's just common things. That, I, that you love yourself more than God. Like, I don't love myself more than God. But when you choose not to obey God, guess what? You're saying I love me more than God. That's pride. Pride, I think, is the bottom, at the bottom of every sin. When, when I think about how I'm perceived, okay, when I'm thinking about how I'm perceived in somebody's eyes, I'm pretty much putting my whole existence in what they think of me. So when you're worried about what somebody thinks about you, it's, it's pride. The insecurity is pride with a mask on. Worried about what do people think of me instead of worrying about what God thinks of me. You know, what I want to do is better than what I know I should do. Huh? That's pride. That's, that's pride. I, I know I should do this. I know this isn't going to please God, but you know what? I know more than God, so I'm going to do this. Come on. We had some people drop off last week with sexual sin. Next week, might just be me. Come on. You know, I think a lot of people, they craft things in fear that somebody will find out. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll lie about something to try to get people off their, off their track. They don't, they don't want people to think bad of them. I think pride makes you think that you're right about everything. And you genuinely think that your way is the right way. And you refuse correction and you refuse anybody to show you anything different. I know I'm going through this list and you got, it's like, man, it's like people in your, it's popping in your mind. It's like Snapchat. Boop, 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 boop. Just constantly, you just, people just flashing in your mind. You just, oh, that person, they should have been here. There's a seat for them. But take a, just look in your heart this morning and say, do I have any of that? Even a little bit. Even a little bit. I think we need to take a, the only way we're going to get that is we're going to have to take an honest assessment of our lives and combat it. And I think the reason we need to is, is we don't need to be deceived and think I'm above that because pride originated with Satan. I mean, in, in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, it says, it states that Lucifer himself thought himself better than God. He was in heaven. He thought he could do it. He, he could figure it out. He, he said, I know better than you that created me, so I'm going to do my own thing. And he led a rebellion against God, and that's when God kicked him out of heaven. He's on, and now him and all his buddies are on earth trying to oppose God every single day. And if he can put pride in your heart and keep you fooled that you don't have it, he's going to win. Because pride makes us do all kinds of things. You know, I got thinking about it. That drove Satan all the way to the garden in Genesis chapter 3. And he sits there and he, he deceives Eve, and he's like, you know what? Did, did God really say this? Because, you know, if you eat this fruit, you'll be like God. You'll be smarter than God. You'll be like him. You can make your own decisions. See, pride makes us fool us to think that our way's better. And Eve took the bait 
ate the fruit and we are where we are now because of that. And in so many of our lives, pride is just eating us alive, but we don't know that that's what it is. Pride ruined the human race. And the devil baited us for it. And I wrote some notes in here, and I can't read it at all. But I think a lot of people look at the Bible sometimes. I've heard people talk about inerrancy of the Bible, like, is the Bible true? Is the Bible real? Is, is this accurate? Well, when I say this is not accurate, I'm saying that I know more than God that wrote this thing, right? And me as a follower of Christ, I should say, this is the Word of God, amen? And I'm going to read this thing, and I'm going to do what it says, because I trust this is the Word of God. And we start saying, well, maybe this is inaccurate. Maybe this is wrong. Maybe this is wrong. You know what we're doing? We're rationalizing. We're saying, you know what? I know more than God. And a lot of times we elevate ourselves up. It's like, well, they're not doing it right. Get out of the way. Let me do this. That's our pride. And that's in essence what motivated Eve to take that fruit. So you know what? Get, get out of the way. Let me take this fruit. Let me, let me be in charge of my own life. Let me know the things instead of trusting God. You know, like most of us, most of the sins that we commit against God, I think pride is one of the ones that it's like a small seed that's planted. And if it's not plucked out in our life, it'll grow up and it'll just ruin us. It'll make us arrogant. It'll make us egotistical. It'll make us self-centered. And it just, it, it, it completely destroys us. So here's some things. I, I got thinking about that this week. Well, how, how can I teach about pride? I hate teaching topical stuff. I want to teach just word by word by word out of God's word. But as I began to think about people in God's word that, that pride destroyed, they started off good, but pride destroyed them. And one of them was in 2 Chronicles 26. Can you rise? If you got a Bible, please turn to that. If not, it's going to be on the screen. If you don't have one, we've got some in the back you can take home with you. But when I, read, when I was reading this, the one thing that jumped out was saying, Uriah was fooled by self-sufficiency. He thought that he had it figured out. He was self-sufficient. He was a self-made man. When you make it there, say amen. All right, we finna go. The rest of you better thumb fast. Verse 3, chapter 26, says Uriah was 16 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was, whatever that is, she was, she was from Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear, instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. And when I read that, it's like just making me realize that, that he realized in early in his walk with God that it wasn't about him, it was about God, right? That he couldn't do this without God. He wouldn't be successful in this walk without God. But what happens is the longer we serve God, the more we say, you know what, I got this. We got, I got this. Isn't it funny how when you first get saved, you're so hungry for the Word of God, you're reading it every day, you're praying every day. Six months down the road, it's like, well, you know, I, 
I hadn't read the Bible in a week. I hadn't talked to God in three or four days. The hunger goes away. And when that hunger goes away, we begin to think, I got this. That's when that religious spirit comes in and says, well, I go to church on Sunday, so I'm fine. Instead of saying, I'm hungry for God to change me and make me new. See, being self-sufficient provokes the deity of God because what you're saying by your actions is that, hey, I've got this figured out. I'm going to be my own boss. I'm going to be my own God, and I am going to rule my own life. Self-sufficiency shows pride. You know, when I read 3 through 5, it's just one of those things that makes me just, just realize this. As long as he was being um, discipled, Zechariah, as long as he was being discipled by Zechariah, he was seeking God, and God granted him success. A lot of you are wondering why you were stagnant in your walk with God, and the reason is, is you are not continuing walking faithfully with God. You're trying to do this thing on your own. Pride's come in and saying, I can do this. And I realize that I can't do anything without him holding my hand and walking me. We've got to realize that. I think when we believe in ourselves too much, pride deceives us. We believe in ourselves. I can do this. I've got this. And then pride deceives us until we realize one day we fall so short and we're at the so bottom of a deep, dark hole that we can't dig out of. You know, I got to thinking about self-sufficiency and doing this on our own. And, and as I was thinking about this, I got thinking about planting this church. See, a lot of you guys don't know how this church got planted. About a year, about a year ago, God laid it on my heart and Dallas's heart to, to plant a church like this in Jenkins County. We had a name. We had all this stuff figured out. And we had this thing figured out. And my prideful heart is like, I got this thing. We're going we're gonna to plant this church. We're going to do this. It's going to be easy. It ain't been easy. But in early in, in going that direction, we were going to be a Southern Baptist church plant, and that thing kind of just started dwindling away. Didn't know which direction to go. Me and Brandon Williams started having a friendship together, and, and he was just leading me, and, and I just felt like God was leading us in that direction. He offered that opportunity for us to be a campus. That way they could help us. And, 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 and man, it's helped me so much. But as we started that process, I was like, you know, I need to pray. So me and Dallas and our wife prayed. And Sabrina said, I, I got confirmation. That's, that's the right direction. And Dallas said the same thing. Jenna said the same thing. I'm like, well, he ain't told me nothing. <laughs> I think y'all have been conceived by evil spirit. There is no way I'm, I'm, wrong, I'm wrong and y'all are right. So I began to pray. And I was talking to a friend of mine that's a deacon of another church, and we were talking, and, and he was using this as a reason why we should stay the course and be a Southern Baptist church. And he was like, Jeremy, if you go out and you be a part of Connection, you will never be able to say that I did this. And I was like, you know what? You're exactly right. And as God spoke to me, he's like, is this about you, Jeremy, or is this about me? I hung up the phone. I called Brandon. I was like, God told me this is what we need to do. Let's go. When our lives become about us, God gets no glory. But when it's all about him, he gets every ounce of it. And I was fixed. If, if I hadn't made that phone call, if God hadn't orchestrated that, I would have been thinking that I was wrong and they were right and we would have went in the wrong path that God called us to go. 
No doubt. No doubt that God could have redirected us in doing the same thing. But so many of us are like a dog chasing his tail. We're going in circles because we think our way is right. And God's just going to let you sit there and do that until you come to your senses and say, you know what? Let me stop for a minute and see which direction I really need to go. Some of you need to do that this morning. You know, when I read verse 16, I begin to think about just, uh, just, just how powerful this is, this prideful thing. Because look, from verse uh, 5 on to 16, God granted Uriah so much victory. He got to do so many things. He, got, he, he, was, he was so successful. He won all kinds of victories, all kinds of battles. And then all of a sudden, in verse 16, it says, But after Uriah became powerful, his pride led, his, led to his downfall. He was unfaithful to the Lord God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So, so, so Uriah's like, he's been walking with Zechariah. He's like, I'm good to go. And he, this, this time frame, this slow fade of him being self-sufficient, self-reliant, finally, he's like, you know what? I'm going to go in there and I'm going to put incense on this altar. It don't sound like a bad thing, does it? But see, God's got things he wants you to do and not do. And at that time, nobody could put incense in the presence of God but the priest. So what he was saying was like, you know what? I am so spiritual. I am so spiritual. I am so close to God that I am better than these lowly priests. And I'm going to go up here and do this. And God's like, no, that's it. I'm not doing, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. See, I think when we forget where we come from, we begin to get prideful. You ever, notice, you ever know somebody that forgot where they come from? They get plenty of money and they look down their nose at those that were in the same state they were in. That's just one example. But when we forget spiritually where we come from, we begin to look up where, where God has brought us to right now and we look back and it's like, whoo-wee, thank God I'm not like that man right there that was this drunk. Thank God that I'm not that way. We begin to look down our nose at the people and we forget where we come from and we're like, I'm, I'm so spiritual, I'm so better than this person right here. We feel good about what we've done. In reality, we haven't done a thing because God enabled us to do this. I'm going to fist pump you in a minute. You're the only one giving me something. I think if we ever get to the point where we think we have arrived, if you ever get to the point where you're like, you know what, I got this thing licked, that's when you need to stop and, and say, you know what, who's driving this boat I'm in? Is it me or is it God? Because I don't care where you are. I, I know I haven't arrived. I fail a lot, and I'm, I'm, and, but when I do fail, I'm like, God, help me not do this again. I want to take another step closer to you. But when it's all about you and not about God, you're just walking through life, and you don't care if you're not, if you're not obeying God's word because you think you are your own God and you're in charge of your own ship. Your pride has deceived you. And what's scary to me is so many people don't realize that. And then I read verse 21, and it says, King Uzziah had leprosy until the day he died. He lived in a separate house, leprous and banned from the temple of the Lord. You know, sin that goes unchecked eventually will destroy you. If we constantly pursue things that don't please God, there's consequences to that. And pride saying, you know what, just keep going. It's about you. It makes you feel good, don't it? Keep going. 
And eventually we keep going, we keep going, we keep going, and we're so far in it that we can't see how to get out. Pride deceives us. The next thing I got thinking about was how pride makes us think we're so important. Y'all know somebody that's important? That think they're so important? Come on, you can raise your hand. Yes, somebody else ain't talking about you. Come on. You know somebody that thinks they're important? They're so important. They got so much more going on than you do. They're so important. They don't have time to do anything else. I got thinking about Luke. Y'all want to turn to Luke chapter 8. And this is Jesus himself talking to the religious people at that day. Luke chapter 18. These these people were, were thinking they were so important. And I want you to realize that when we rely on ourselves, pride isolates us. Chapter 18, verse 9 says, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told their parable. You know, I read that this week. I wanted to copy that and text that to a pile of people. Be like, read this. But I didn't. It says, Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and one and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, like robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at at a distance. He would not even look up to the heavens, but he beat his chest And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we start thinking that we're so important, and we're looking down at other people, it isolates us. We think we're up here and everybody's down here. We get to thinking like, I can't associate with nobody else because nobody else is on my level. You know anybody like that? I mean, that's how people are. And when I read Proverbs, Proverbs 16, 5 says this, says, the Lord detests all proud of heart. Be sure of this, that they will not go unpunished. So some people, they avoid all these notable sins. They avoid all these you know, oh, thank God I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not a, I'm not a adulterer, I haven't cheated on my wife, I haven't, I haven't uh, stolen anything, I hadn't, oh, I hadn't lied, and you know they lied. You know, they say all these things, and, but then they're like, look, I don't drink around, I don't sleep, I don't do any of these things. I feel proud of myself that I don't do this stuff. And then you see somebody else that's struggling, and what do you do? You look down your proud nose at them and you cast judgment. Instead of going down and saying, look, man, I've been right where you are. I love you. I care about you. Let me walk with you. Come on, let's go to the feet of Jesus and help you. But a proud person won't do that. They want to sit there and look down and condemn someone instead of walking with someone. See, pride will make you so critical of other people. Nobody can please a proudful person. Some of you need to stop looking around the room. You're looking around like, you see, you see what you hear me saying? Somebody 
I'm telling you, you can't please a proud person because they think that they're doing it right and everybody else is doing it wrong. And when you catch yourself, if that's you this morning, if you've caught yourself even having those thoughts, I pray that you like, God, help me with that. I, don't want, I want to please you with my life. I want to please you with my heart. Lord, help me not be that judgmental person. Help me, God, be a person that, that, that loves other people and that helps people along not looking down my nose. You know something I've realized? People that jump from church to church to church, they always say that something was wrong where they came from. They always say something was wrong where they came from. And it was, it was well, you know, this church was, this was wrong, or that was wrong, and this was wrong, and that was wrong, and I didn't like this man, or I didn't like that. You know what? They need to stop and look at the common denominator. And that's them. That's them. And stop, saying, stop putting the blame on everybody else and say, all right, this is my pride saying I want things the way I want things instead of I want to follow God and be faithful where he has me right now. It's just crazy to me because like this shirt, that's why I wore this shirt. I want you to see this shirt is so bright, but I'm looking at you and I can't see it. Some of you, your pride is shining so bright in the eyes of other people, but you can't see it because you're not looking at yourself. You're looking at everybody else. See, Luke 22 goes on to talk about how self, when we exhort ourselves, it shows how, how pride does, what pride does in our hearts. Luke 22, 24 says, A dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And then after that, Jesus began to break down and tell the disciples, because you're going to be great in my kingdom, if you're going to be great for me, then you need to be a lowly servant and serve other people. It's not about position. It's about your heart. I've said it many times, so many, so many people need to stop looking for position, for position, and start picking up a towel and serving other people. But pride wants us to be, we want to be up there. We want, we want people to look at us and say, wow, look at that man. Look at that woman. Look how great they are. Just like the disciples. They were in the presence of Jesus, and they were fighting. So who was going to be the best? Who was going to be the greatest? We have to be careful of that in our own hearts. See, pride promotes dissension. It, it, it makes you compare yourself to other people. When I get thinking about the root of every quarrel or conflict or battle I've ever seen, it's rooted right in pride. Somebody has something you want. Somebody's done something that you didn't want them to do to you. You want to be in control when you didn't get to be in control. Proverbs 13, 10 says that uh, only by pride comes content, uh, contention. And I understand where we live right now. And our social media promotes self. I mean, putting pictures on, I mean, I, I was looking at it last night and I got convicted. I put a picture of Payson on Instagram. And about five minutes, I said, let me see how many likes I got. Let me see how many likes I got. It wasn't me. It was Payson. But I was like, let me see how many likes I got. We, we want to see, 
you know, Facebook, putting stuff out there. And if nobody likes your picture, it's like, well, nobody likes me. Because it's all about me. And, and if, if people like me enough, I feel approved. I feel accepted. But we should want to serve God no matter if nobody likes us. Amen? We should want to do things no matter what. When we exalt ourselves, what we do, we put ourselves above God and above everybody else. Nobody else matters but me. Nobody else, nothing else matters how I feel. Nothing else matters. So you ignore everything else. The next argument you hear, the next church that divides, the next divorce that destroys a marriage, we all know that the root of that is pride. You know, when we elevate ourselves too much, we think that our opinions and our ideas, we think we put them on a pedestal. And if we're not careful, we're running after our own agenda and we're not running after God's. So many people, they think that they're so great and people should listen to them. When you don't listen to them, then they get mad and upset because, hey, I got all the answers. You should listen to me. And they get angry when you don't because it's about them. I think pride, a lot of times it helps us cope. I think that's why, I think that's why so many people are prideful. I know with me sometimes I'm prideful because it helps me cope with things. You know, I, I'm, I'm not, I can't sing a lick. I can't sing a lick. But it's like, well, I can't sing, but I can preach. It puts that, that in your heart. You're like, well, you, you, instead of, as you start putting things that you're good at way up here, and then you're like, well, they can't do this better than I can. Y'all picking up what I'm putting down this morning? Y'all being real quiet. Some of y'all wish y'all would have traded in them flip-flops for some steel-toe boots this morning. But I think we just start, when pride, when we're coping with it, I think we just start trying to appear the part instead of really being the part. We come, and try to, we come to church and we come and we appear to be religious, but we're not really following Christ. We, we paint this picture, oh, I, yeah, I for, oh, yeah, I'm following Jesus, but there's so much bitterness and hatred in our heart. You know why there's bitterness in your heart? Because you choose not to let go of your mistakes in the past. Because why, why don't you let that go? Because that makes you feel good right now. You know why? Because it's about you. You know why? Because you're prideful. It's the same, I mean, that, that's why. The root of a lot of our problems is pride. And if we would go to the root of that and say, God, help me with my prideful heart, a lot of things in our life would change. We would love people more. We would genuinely care about people instead of putting on this mask that we do care. I read a quote this week. It says, some never get started on their destiny because they can't humble themselves to learn and to grow and to change. Y'all hear that? It says, some never get started. I mean, they never take the first step. They never get started on their destiny. They never get started going in the direction God's called them to go because they can't humble themselves. They can't admit wrong. They can't humble themselves, number one, to learn, to grow, and to change. There's so many people that come to church every single Sunday, and you won't step out from where you are to submit your life to God because you're worried what other people are going to think. And that's just pride. Because you have to admit that you were actually wrong. 
You don't want to surrender your life to God because that means you're not in control anymore. Let me tell you something. That's the most freeing thing I have ever done. When I surrender my life to God, I realize, well, you know what? Somebody else is driving the boat. All I got to do is enjoy the ride and be obedient and does what he says do. Instead of trying to control everything, that's exhausting. And so many of you are exhausted and you can't figure out why. Stop trying to be in control. Surrender and give it to him. So, so the opposite of pride is what? It's humility. It's being humble. Humility is the only way that we can change it. It's the opposite of pride. It's what we should crave. We should crave to be humble. But, but in our society, humility is something that's looked down on. I don't want to be humble. They, they, they look weak. Our, our society has painted a humble person weak, and that's not the case. Being humble is not weak. Being humble is not thinking less of yourself. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, somebody sing a great song, man, that was awesome. Like, oh, no, that wasn't no good. They try, they try to be humble, make themselves humble because they, they degrade themselves. No, being humble is not degrading yourself. Being humble is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. You hear what I'm saying? It's not about me. It's not about me. I'm going to step out here and I'm going to talk to this person and share Jesus with this person. I don't care what it looks like. I want them to know Jesus Christ. That's what being humble shows. You know, I might not be the best singer in the world, but I want to sing and glorify God. That's why some of you don't sing during worship. You worry what somebody's going to think next to you. I can't sing. They're going to say, I, I can't sing. I sat behind a woman, sat in front of a woman, mistakenly. I wish I was behind her. At a church I used to go to, she would sing, and it would sound like the coon dogs was treeing a coon. When she first cranked up, I was like, what is that? But you know what? She didn't care because she had both hands raised and her eyes was closed because she knew she couldn't sing. That's why you see my eyes closed. And I'm... But she was praising God and she was doing it. And you know, that thing spoke to me. She knew how awful she was. And she sang louder than anybody in the church. But you know what? It didn't matter because she was praising God. It was no pride. She said, I'm going to let this thing go, and I'm going to praise God. And you know what? That changed my whole outlook on what worship was. It's not about how great you are. It's that about you're serving a great God. I want to encourage you today that all of us have issues. All of us have things that we struggle with, and we keep trying to paint the mask that we're good in everything. And you're not good in everything. Quit playing games. But if you surrender to God, you, you can take off the mask. You can really be who you are. And those areas that you're failing in, guess what? He'll fill in the gaps. He'll fill in the gaps. Psalms 51, 16 through 17 says that God delights in a broken, humble, and contrite spirit. He delights in that. He delights in that. Why would he like this? Why would he delight in, in, in why wouldn't he like pride instead? Why, why, would, he, why would he want somebody that, that's, that's broken and that's contrite? Why? I mean, our society screams pride is what you want. Confidence is what you want. You want to be confident. But what are you confident in? God's saying, I want you to be humble. 
See, humility screams that it's not about me. God said, I delight in the man or the woman that realizes this life is not about them. It's about me. You know how you can tell somebody that's humbly following God? Because their life shows that life is not about them. Their checkbook shows that life is not about them. Their work schedule shows that life is not about them. It shows that it's all about God. It shows it's all about what he wants, not about what I want. And pride keeps us, guys, from seeing this reality. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 12, he says, Look, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. If you're a control freak and you're worried about being top dog, let me tell you, God says, look, if you'll submit to me, I will exalt you. But you have to submit to me. You have to be okay with leading where I put you. You have to be okay with doing what I've called you to do. You know, every day we have a choice. Either we can do nothing and we can exalt ourselves, or we can submit to God and exalt him. Amen? We have a choice. We have a choice. It ain't like it's a fixed fight. Let me tell you, Jesus overcome everything. That was a fixed fight. We have, we have security and surrendering to Jesus Christ because we know that we have eternity if we follow him. Amen? Amen? So why not humble ourselves? Why not say, Jesus, you come all this way from me. Why not give you my life and say, Lord, I want you to lead me? Why don't we say, I don't know the answers? So what are you going to do today? Which one are you doing? I mean, if you want to humble yourself, if you want to humble yourself, I think it starts with, with, with number one, letting God be God. Letting God be God. Is God the God of your life? Is he the ruler of your world? Or are you, have you crowned yourself king or queen? Are you calling the shots or is he calling the shots? Is God God in your life? If he's not, then that you need to give, give your life to him today. That's step one. I think the next thing is that, number two is that we, to humble yourself, we have to cultivate a heart of gratitude. We have to be thankful. I mean, how many of you are thankful for the sacrifice Jesus made? Are we say amen, but are we truly thankful? Are we truly thankful? Because if I'm thankful for what Jesus has done, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. My schedule's not important. I want, I want to do what you want me to do. I, I want to follow you. I want to do, I don't want anything to ruin my life but you, God. If he, we need to be thankful for the small things. Thankful for God calling you out of darkness and into the light. Being thankful that say, God, thank you for helping me with this addiction that I had. See, people that I found, people that I know that, that suffer from addiction, they're the most thankful people I know because God delivered them from something that they could not deliver themselves from. And I think that's what you, where we need to start today. Is God delivered us from sin when we can't deliver ourselves from it. We're addicted to sin. You're, you have an addiction whether you believe it or not. And the only way you're going to be able to get rid of that is that you surrender your life to God and let Him control it. By starting, by cultivating a heart of gratitude. Are you thankful? Are you thankful? I was sitting in the hospital when Payson was born, and one of my good friends in Columbus, Georgia, 
sent me a text. And he said, man, pray for me. My little boy was just born and his name was Rhett. And uh, I'm sitting looking at Payson and he's perfect. He's perfect. He's healthy. And then my buddy calls and he's like, Rhett was born today and I don't know if he's going to make it. They're sending him to Emory right now. 21 days in the hospital. Four or five surgeries and they finally get Rhett worked out. And now he's home. But in that moment, I cried and I just thought, I said, God, thank you for having a healthy baby. Do you thank God for the little things? When my best friend got diagnosed with brain cancer, I remember crying out to God, God, thank you for my health. We don't think about thanking God in those small things until we see it robbed from somebody else. Don't wait, don't wait for that. Cultivate a heart of, gener- of, of gratitude. Number three is that we should be quick to forgive. That shows a humble heart. We're quick to forgive. That's, that's saying, it's not about me. I wish so many people understand that. You got to forgive people. For, let me tell you, when you don't forgive people, the people that you're holding that grudge on, they don't care. You're in your own prison. You're mad at them and they don't even know that, that you're still mad and could care less. But you're bitter and you're mad and you're hateful and you're just hard to be around because you're toting this baggage. And if you really was humble and surrendered your life to God, you would say, you know what, Lord, I know that, 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 you, that you know this. And I want to submit. I want to submit. When we choose to stay mad and say, you know what, God, I, I'm, I know that I should forgive them, but you know what? Being mad helps me cope with this. Instead of saying, God, I don't want this to replace my need for you. So many people replace God with bitterness because they just want to be bitter instead of following God. They don't want to humble themselves. The fourth thing I think is making serving others a daily habit. There's nothing more humbling than helping somebody that needs help. There's nothing more humbling that's happened to me when I go speeding by somebody that's on the side of the road that needs to, that, that, especially, I'll stop if there's a woman. There's a man, I'm like, he's got it. But if I turn around and see somebody in need, turn around, go back and help them. Nothing's more humbling because after that, the reason you don't stop is because you say you don't have time. I got other things. I'm, I'm, there other, there's other stuff more important. But when I turned around and helped this guy one day, I got back in the truck and God was like, you're still going to be on time for your meeting. Because you know what? Everybody else didn't meet and was 20 minutes late. And it showed me that when my life is focused on God, nothing else matters. My schedule didn't matter. And it humbled me so much to make me realize that, you know what, Jeremy, this ain't about you at all. Never has, never will be. And the last thing I think is so important is that you give others in your life permission to speak into your life. People that you're walking through life, would you give them permission to say the tough stuff? Me and Dallas have that type of relationship. If I'm being a jerk, he's going to tell me. Just like that. And we hadn't fought yet. But you got to have the courage to want to hear the negative stuff. But see, that you won't do that if you think you're always right. You don't want to hear, I need to change from somebody else because you think you're always right. 
Because pride will open your heart. But if you've got people speaking into your life constantly, I want to be told when I'm wrong. You know how I learned to be a surveyor? Is, is not, not by really by learning the right things, but learning what not to do. And when I did the wrong things, somebody that wanted me to be a great surveyor would say, you know what? Don't do that again. Do, do this. This would be easier if you do it this way. Why don't we do that in a Christian walk with other people? Because we're afraid for criticism. We don't want people to tell us that we're, that we're not doing it right. We're not, we don't want people to say anything wrong. We get offended so easily. And if that's you, that's pride. You got to swallow that and say, speak into my life because for the glory of God, I want to serve him. I don't want to hold on to this stuff. I want to be more made in the likeness of Jesus. And that'll break the chains that, you, that pride has on you. And I think when we humble ourselves, when we truly humble ourselves, we put God first and others first, above ourselves. It's what they want more than what I want. When we exalt ourselves, we're not truly being humble. And I think all this comes down to how we view God. It all comes down to how we view God. I was listening to a song last night and, and, and he said, God, when I looked up into the sky, it was like I was looking in your eyes and I was like, oh my Lord, that dude's idea of how big God is is so huge. And we think God is this person that sits beside us, but he's the God that created us. When we look at God differently, it changes on how we want to respond to sin. Job 42, 5 through 6. Job, Job went through all this junk in his life. He was, he was so religious. He was so great. He was following God. God had blessed him. And then he went through an awful mess. He was questioning God. He was saying, how dare you, God? What, I want some answers. And then God said, look, were you there when I made the mountains? God didn't have to give him any answers. And after that conversation with God, Job says this in Job 42. He says, my ears have heard of you, but now, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He said, I've never heard of you, but I've heard of you, but I've never seen you. But now through this situation, I see you in a different light. And now I realize I need to humble myself. Think of myself less. And follow you. You will never, ever slave the sin of pride in your life until you realize how big God is. He can help you overcome anything. You just got to want it. And today, maybe you need to see God for who he really is. Maybe you've had this boxed-in vision of who he was your whole life. Maybe you need to surrender your life to him and say, God, I want to know you for the God you are. If that's you this morning, you want to know God for who he is, you're tired of playing this religious game, you want to surrender your life, you've been prideful, I'm going to be right here in this corner. You come, take my hand. Dallas will be down here. The prayer team will be down there. Come take our hand and let's pray. If there's stuff in your life that's got a stronghold in your life, come and let's pray. 
If God's speaking in you of some areas while, we, while I was going through this that you need to surrender, you need to give him pride. You need to give that thing, God, that's in me. I need to give you control over my life. If that's you, that's what this altar's for. And the reality to how, how much, you know, to, to what you think or, or the, the, really the test of your humility is how you respond to this altar call. I'm not trying to guilt you into moving for God, but let me tell you something. He's worthy for you to change your life. He's worthy for you to quit playing games. He's worthy for you to serve him with all of your heart. And say, you know what, God? I'm tired of this. And I want more of you, God. If that's you this morning, y'all come. As the band comes up, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to think back for this past week. Think back for the last couple of months. Has pride been controlling your life? Would your life be categorized by a life of, of just full of pride or would it be categorized as being a humble servant of God? Pride is a sickness. And this is a hospital. And if you want to be set free from it, then that's what you need to come and do business with God. And I challenge you to do that today. If you believe God is who he is and you believe that he says, what he says is true, then you have no choice but to be humble and surrender today and come and give him that thing that controls your life. So Father God, we come right now. God, we come right now. Holy Spirit, we're right. God, I just pray right now, Lord, that your presence would just consume us, Lord. That, God, we would not be okay. Would not be okay. That, God, that the things in our life that have, uh, that, that we elevate ourselves and we look down on other people, God, I pray that, that, I pray, God, that you would rebuke the spirit in somebody's heart, Lord. It's this prideful attitude. God, I pray that you would reveal to them their thoughts, their true heart, like you have me this week, God. It's so easy to get lost in ourselves, God. It's so easy to get lost in what we have to do and we lose focus. And God, I'm sorry if I've done that this week. Lord, I just pray that we would lay our lives out as a transparent sacrifice to you today. And say, here I am, Lord. Do with me what you want. Take this out of me, God, before this consumes me. And help me live a life in victory. As a humble man and woman of God. So that I can forgive. So that I can pursue. So that I can love. So that I can witness. And God, so I can care the way you want me to. God, there's people in here right now, I pray, God, that if there's people right here that they've lost their hunger, Lord. Lord, if they've been just feasting on things of this world and not you, God, I pray, God, right now that you would convict them that they need to be hungry for you. And I pray, God, that you would 
move in their spirit. That they can't sit in that seat. They can't stand where they are. God, move in our hearts today. Change us, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray.